In American folk history, the legend of John Henry has always been one of my favorites. When John Henry was a little baby. No An African-American steel-driving man, a freed slave who built railroads in 19th century Appalachia, John Henry is fabled to have fought an epic battle against a machine that was designed to do his job. Drove steel all over the land. Before I let the steam hammer get me down, I'm gonna die with my hammer in my hand. Bristling at the indignity that he could be replaced by a steam drill, John Henry challenged the machine to a race. The epic battle was on to see which could cut further into the rock in a day. And John Henry's hammer blows are reputed to have shaken the very mountain on which they worked. When the dust had cleared, he had bested the machine, only to die soon after from exertion. Hammer in his hands, as the legend goes. Every time a freight train come puffing by, they'd say yonder lies a steel-driving man. I love this story because I love the pride that Henry takes in his work. I love the pure contempt for the thought that any machine could replace him. And I even love the bittersweet obstinance of fighting back against the inexorable march of automation. And I love it even more because, as creatives in the year 2023, we face our own battle with a machine that threatens our livelihoods, generative artificial intelligence. They said that they were eliminating my position and going to throw it all through ChatGPT. Jess is a content strategist from a nationally recognized logistics company, just one of many copywriters and creatives who have already lost their jobs this year in what the Washington Post calls the first wave of people replaced by chatbots. But Renato Fernandez, the chief creative officer at the agency TBWH Hyatt Day in Los Angeles, says companies that are racing to cut costs by laying off creatives and replacing them with AI are making a disastrous, short-sighted mistake. I think ChatGPT is a powerful tool, but if you are taking this as the only source of ideation for you, you're doomed. You're doomed. In this episode, Renato lays out how they're incorporating generative AI responsibly at one of the most innovative agencies in the world, and makes the case for why cutting human jobs is a losing proposition for businesses. And our modern-day Jane Henry tells us about her personal battle with the AI machine. I'm Dusty Weiss. From PodCamp Media, this is Lead Balloon, a podcast about compelling tales from the world of PR, marketing, and branding, told by the well-meaning communications professionals who live them. Thanks for tuning in. We're here every month bringing you the kind of stories that we love to tell in the field of communication, because not only are there lessons to learn, but it's how PR, marketing, and branding legends are made. So if you haven't yet, make sure you're following this show in your favorite podcast app. And if you know someone who would appreciate this story, send them a link to the episode. Artificial intelligence rising up and taking jobs from humans. It still sounds like something out of science fiction to me. And I'm saying that as someone who personally knows one of these humans now. I think I heard about it on TikTok first. I asked Casey, my son, what he thought. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm, it's coming. When I went to work at the newspaper cluster in Portage, Wisconsin, 17 years ago, Jess was one of my senior colleagues there, part of a small but talented, dedicated staff who were generally fun to be around and very generous about taking a hotshot intern under their collective wings. In the years since, she's earned her MFA, 
worked as a published writer, a teacher, and most recently as a content strategist for a major national logistics operation that you have heard of. We're not naming that company nor using Jess's last name here because of worries that it would run afoul of her separation agreement. You're a small department in a bigger company. It was up to us to do everything from emails to social media, blogs, print material, anything to get the company name out. That is what I worked on. How did you feel like it was going prior to the chat GPT craze? We would say that we needed like eight more people on our staff, (laughs) but I liked what I did. I liked where I worked. I liked the people that I worked for and worked with. It was internal. It was B2B. It was B2C. It was social media. Like it was so much. Any given day was different than the next. But when it was good, it was very good. How big was the team? Four, four people. Okay. One of my biggest things that I worked on was we had a number of smaller companies under us that contracted with us. And with that, there was a marketing component to it where we drove their websites and we did their SEO and all these blogs. And there was between 12 and 14 blogs each month that I was responsible for either creating or assigning That took up a lot of my time. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of workload to be able to pump out that many that quickly. It's the kind of thing that takes somebody with 20 years of experience to be able to ideate and develop and complete all of those blog posts on Cadence. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, not always the most interesting topics. Right, right. Logistics is not <laughs> renowned for uh, it's, uh, it's barn burning. Yes. So we had to get creative. Like most of us, Jess says she first heard about ChatGPT on her social media feeds. It was just after Thanksgiving of last year when the company OpenAI first rolled out a free research preview of ChatGPT, powered by the GPT 3.5 engine, and online creators began to get very excited about the capabilities. This is how I used AI to get me a callback from every single application that I submitted. Whether you're asking ChatGPT to write your next term paper, create a marketing plan, or something else. So I asked ChatGPT to write a song about Envy in the style of Bob Dylan, and this is what it came up with. So how does it work? Well, a lot of that is proprietary, but the short version is this. With enough computing power, you can train a computer to predict complex language models or imagery by feeding it lots of examples of the things that you want it to learn. Think of it like the predictive text feature on your iPhone that tries to guess what word you're trying to type next, just on steroids. If you feed an algorithm billions of examples of something that you want it to learn, like the entire collective knowledge of humanity as it's archived on the internet, for instance, and then let it practice a few billion more times while giving it constructive feedback, a generative AI algorithm can get pretty good at predicting what words, phrases, or images will satisfy a given query. In fact, if you think about it, it's very similar to how we learn as people. First, we learn words, then we learn how to string them together into phrases, then we learn to extrapolate ideas and themes, and so on, all while getting feedback from parents, siblings, teachers, and the media about what we got right and what we didn't. And that's just the thing about generative AI. It's still just guessing making a lot of generative guesses very, very quickly. And so for every successful song about envy in the style of Bob Dylan, there's plenty of gobbledygook that it spits out as well. Anywhere you slice it, though, it represents a massive step forward for technology. 
and Jess says it made an appropriate splash with her and her colleagues at the office. My boss went to a conference in February and she came back all about ChatGPT, even though we were kind of talking about it to her before that. Apparently they had the Kool-Aid there. And which is fine, you know, it's definitely a tool. And she was saying, oh, you're going to be more of an editor now. Okay, that's fine. But at that point, too, I was dabbling in chat GPT, playing around with it, learning what I could. When I would put in what I needed, it always needed refining. And sometimes, I mean, Dusty, you've, you've written, you've, you've been an editor, you know that sometimes being an editor is kind of even harder than being a writer because it takes longer. You got to sit there and you got to reword, reroute certain things, cross things off. Doesn't always make you popular when people see this piece that you've, <laughs> you've, you've produced and then you've cut it to shreds. So using ChatGPT, I was saying like, okay, this is kind of cool, but this is going to take a little longer. Am I saving time with it? Maybe. But I'm investing probably as much time making sure that it's A, correct, B, using all of the terminology we need because Chap GPT spits it out very confidently. And without necessarily the expertise to back up that confidence. Right. Which yes. is the kicker there. But as a naturally optimistic person, Jess couldn't help but marvel at the innovations playing out in the world of content creation. That is, until the day that generative AI came for her job. It was a Monday. And I was asked to come into the conference room and in there was my boss and the HR director. And they said that they were eliminating my position and going to throw it all through chat GPT. Now, was your boss part of the content generation team? Are we talking about a director level, manager yes, level? Yes. So this is someone who is contributing to the content or just managing the content team? Uh, more managing at that point. But when we need all hands on deck, we have all hands. And she was a good boss, too. And I definitely enjoyed working for her. How'd you react? I was in shock. <laughs> I think I asked three times this is for real? This is really happening? Like, because I'm thinking, you know, how much work we had and how understaffed we were. And thinking about it in retrospect, you know, were there signs? No. As far as the layoff goes, were there other people on the team who lost their jobs as well? No. No? It was just you? Just me. That feels personal. <laughs> yes, it absolutely feels. Do you feels remember on the team? I was the last hired, but it was a couple of years ago. All right, you were two years in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started there in 2021. Yeah, it felt yucky. Yeah. You can say it's business, but we were a small team in a small-ish company where everyone knew each other. And yeah, I was sad. This was where I went to work. This was the relationships I was making and... Just to have it all end without any warning, it was very unsettling. That really sucks. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you, Jess. It's and, and I imagine that other folks on the team didn't feel great about it either. You know, I don't know. I haven't heard. You haven't been able to check I, in with any of them I haven't. All? Even my old boss. And I have a theory that she had to deliver the bad news, but it wasn't her call. You think this is something that came from above? Yeah. Somebody who said, hey, we can... Trim back some costs here. <laughs> Which is, isn't that typical of a higher up? They're not in there day to day knowing what they're up to. And they... Well, all darn it, they know how you can be more efficient. Right. All you got to do is. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you think it's going for them? I'm sure that it's a lot more work than they were expecting. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to like hire someone with at a lower salary than I was at to facilitate it in the end. I don't know. I imagine that they are busy and kind of, I would say kicking themselves. But again, I don't think it was a decision at a level that someone who's doing it every day. I think it's it's a higher up kind of thing. Right. Someone else made the decision. Right. Someone else made the, made the decision and created a lot more work. Ugh. That company that fired her, she's better out of it because a company that believes that ChatGPT is better than a human is a company that's not worth for you to work in on. Renato Fernandez is the chief creative officer at the LA-based global creative agency TBWHI at Day. They're a three-time honoree as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies, have been recognized thrice as Adweek's Global Agency of the Year, and they're seen as pioneering leaders in the incorporation of generative AI into the creative workflow. I think ChatGPT is a powerful tool, but if you are taking this as the only source of ideation for you, you're doomed. You're doomed. Because basically, this company is telling her, you know what? Average is great. Because that's what ChatGPT is right now. Average. The bar is raised. Everybody can deliver average. You recently sat down for a chat hosted by Adweek at Cannes, where you and several other executives talked about the future of advertising and generative AI and how you're using those tools right now. And during that discussion, you said something that really stuck with me. You said AI needs a creative director. We will always need a creative director. What did you mean by that, Renato? In Cannes, everybody was talking about AI. This is like the the hot topic, and everybody's trying to find the answers to AI. But in that specific talk, I was trying to like point to what happened to technology. I, I am old enough in this industry that I saw the beginning of like computers in creative departments in advertising agencies. And when they came, there was a big, a similar effect. People that worked in the creative departments feeling like threatened by computers. But computers, they brought an edge. Everybody believed that now everybody could do great work. Right. And soon enough realized that's not the case. The brilliant minds could take and extract from the computer what others couldn't and make the best of this. So with AI, it's going to be similar. AI, it became the equalizer in the industry. Now, soon enough, everybody's going to have access to so much more content and data provided by AI. But with this equalization, we still need to stand out. We still need people to extract and take the best of AI. So that's going to be the nature of the technology because it's always the nature of technology. But the other thing that for me is important is Computers, they don't have empathy. They don't have the emotions. They don't have the ability to build intangible connections. So with all the data, you still need somebody that can orchestrate the data, direct the data, shape the data, and take the best of this. The same way as that we did when start using computers and people had an ability to do better than others, we still need people that are going to be able to do better than others with data and take the best of this. Those people will be the creator directors of this new technology, the Gen and I. Uh, essentially, what you're saying is it's a new tool in the toolbox, but you still need that human touch. You still need somebody to point the tool in the right direction, to give it feedback, to help keep that human element in the creative process. Yes, but the, the thing also is uh, I use this metaphor for AI that is like the calculator. Again, I am aging myself here, but 
I, when I started studying math, you were not allowed to bring a calculator to the exam. Right, it was cheating. Yeah, you were cheating. But then, when they allowed calculators, everybody thought, no, now that's easy. No, because now the teacher, they know you can do easily. So the tests got to another level. That's the same thing that's happening here with AI. The bar changed. Whether you like it or not is a different bar. Everybody has access to that. So now we need to step up. We need to take one level up to stand out. And that's again, that's where he, humans and the creator director will make this connection and leapfrog his agency or whatever company he's working on to like to take advantage of the technology. So just to recap here, the CCO of one of the top, most innovative ad agencies in the world says that laying off human creatives like Jess and replacing them with generative AI is a recipe for irrelevance. Our world was already awash in information. Now that everybody has access to ChatGPT and other generative AI tools, the flood of mediocre content is going to reach a new crest. In fact, there's already some early data from comparison studies to suggest that human-generated copy is outperforming AI-generated copy in terms of search engine optimization. I'll make sure to link that in the episode description. But if the algorithms can't even win the love of another algorithm, why would we expect them to succeed at concepting the next big ad campaign or writing the next great think piece for a human audience? Chalk up a point for the modern John Henrys of the creative industry, I guess. But the race isn't over. Generative AI will only grow and improve its capabilities in the months and years ahead. And I don't know about you, but I am in no rush to die with my hammer in my hands, so to speak. So coming up after the break, Renato discusses how they're incorporating AI into their workflows at TBWHI at day, while still maintaining that human element. Learn the skill. Learn to master and tame the technology. And Jess? Tells us what's next in the wake of her battle versus the machine. That's all coming up in a moment here on Lead Balloon. This is Lead Balloon, and I'm Dusty Weiss. The advent of AI-generated content and iterative design in the creative industry is a disruption on a scale that we haven't seen perhaps since the invention of the print press. Renato Fernandez, the chief creative officer at TBWHI at Day, says the industry has so much more to wrap its head around right now than just the moral and strategic implications of outsourcing human jobs to ChatGPT. We are taking AI very seriously. We are concerned about ethical and privacy issues. We are part of C2PA, the Coalition for Content Provenance and Authenticity. We are part of Adobe's Content Authenticity Initiative. We have a, a steering committee for AI that analyzes everything that the agency does because it's important to protect our clients in this space. We don't know exactly how copyright will like end up being a reality in AI. We know they're talking about a watermark on AI, a digital watermark. All those conversations are happening, but it's still a little bit loosey-goosey. So we are trying to be incredibly diligent, taking care of our clients and the privacy of the clients. TBWHI at Day is aided in its AI ventures, Renato says, by its parent company Omnicom, which is working to build partnerships with major players in the AI space. We are now partnering with Microsoft, with Adobe, and with Google uh, to like shape what's the future AI for us. Because there's two ways for you to think about AI. One is like the low-hanging fruit uh, usage of AI. I go to ChatGPT, I go to Midjourney, I go like to the platforms, 
I extract and I do something with that. But the other is to think, what is gonna be like my, my engine, my AI engine? And we are now orchestrating that, building what can be the engine that we're gonna be using as an AI power element. Because truth be told, everybody is using the same AI, but in the future, AI is gonna be separated by the quality of the engine that you have. The way you're gonna be like curating AI and making something proprietary, we will define who is best in that game. But as important as those big picture concepts are, Renato says the agency has also invested in upskilling its workforce, running labs to make sure that all their creative and strategic talent has a grounding in the immediate practical applications of generative AI. These are all things that you've probably already heard about on social media, but with a click of a button, you can now conjure up proofs of concept for out-of-the-blue inspirations, dummy up those mind-numbing presentations that nobody wants to work on, or grind out dozens of creative ideas and then pick the best to advance and refine with a human team. It is a playground, so we are all playing with that. And yet, Renato says he's most excited about developing the use cases that we haven't imagined yet like taking a high production value celebrity ad and localizing it to any market and any language instantly. I'm gonna be able to get the voice of the actor and the face of the actor and the lips of the actor will move in Spanish while I'm generating a voice in Spanish. Okay, that is already something that is in the realm of possibilities, right? But for me, what's gonna happen is that this is gonna be immediate. Right. I'm gonna, as I'm editing my film in English, in the same moment, the film in Spanish is ready to, to, to go, and in Japanese, and in Cantonese, whatever it is. And if I change something in the first version, all the other versions, they change accordingly. So this is, for me, what future is going to look like in advertising. We are trying to shape something like that in the agency right now. I really look forward to seeing Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln ad speaking Cantonese. Like, that's yes. going <laughs> to blow my mind. That's going to be incredible. <laughs> you know? That's why, that's why they create this technology. For that reason, I think we're still scratching the surface of the possibilities. There's still something to come that's going to be revolutionary. Think about Mid Journey, how everybody is in love with Mid Journey. If you're not familiar, Mid Journey is an image generation tool similar to ChatGPT, where you provide the AI with written prompts and then it generates images to match your idea, whether it's a polar bear downhill skiing, astronaut cats, or Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit. Images are fantastic. Well, they have a loop. Now you see, probably you see your feed is like crowded with this loop and it's like easy to detect. So now you need to do something that's unique and different. And here comes Photoshop. Adobe's graphic design stalwart made headlines just a couple of months ago when it announced that it had a mid-journey-like generative AI feature in beta testing. The beta version of Photoshop allows you to edit the detail because the mid-journey doesn't let you like to a short correct the image you have. You have you have a prompt and then a new prompt and it's always like trying to guess to get the machine to get it right. But with Photoshop, you're able to like to micro-tune and adjust the idea. That is like a professional evolution of mid-journey. What I think is that we're living amateur hour. Indeed, amateur hour in the generative AI revolution has not been without its conspicuous and sometimes hilarious failures. You probably heard in May about the New York attorney who prompted ChatGPT to write a legal brief on his behalf, only to face court sanction when the AI spotted a handful of nonsensical case citations that he didn't bother to verify and he was caught. But other cautionary tales are more dire. 
The National Eating Disorders Helpline has, for 20 years, provided people who are struggling with self-destructive body image issues with support and basic counseling over the phone. When the staffers who work the phones voted to unionize this spring, the association behind the helpline announced that they would replace their human workers with a chatbot. This ill-conceived experiment lasted for only a few weeks as it was discovered that the chatbot could be prompted to provide dangerous advice to users about cutting calories and weight loss. Exactly the opposite of the kind of thing that you want to be giving to people suffering from eating disorders. The National Eating Disorders Association immediately pulled the chatbot from service and closed the hotline for good. Those human workers are still out of a job. And Renato says there's no doubt that AI poses a distinct threat to jobs in the creative industry as well. It's happening, so I'm not going to deny there's a lot of like optimization that will happen. In the industry, we have a lot of positions in agencies. They're due for a revolution. So I was telling you about localization, for example. There's a lot of jobs that are going to be lost in that part of the business, but other one will, will come. No, every time technology comes, it, it like kills some jobs and creates new jobs. Remember with re industrial revolution, the machines replacing the man in factories? Yes, it did replace one kind of job and create so many other jobs. It's basically forcing us to like up our skills. So for everyone that's afraid of losing their job, uh, my point to them is like learn the skill. Learn to master and tame the technology because technology comes and everybody's going to be able to use it and denying it and pretending they don't exist. That's going to be doomsday for you. Right. But if you really understand what tech, the power of technology, want to use it to your advantage, you can play that. And then for companies, it's like a cautionary tale. If you are like believing that the ChatGPT will replace the talent working for you, soon enough, ChatGPT will replace you in the leading of the company, because a company that has a bar that's that low, any machine will be able to replace them. I think that's really good advice. And I hope that there are more executives out there who are taking it to heart, because I get the sense that at companies where they are replacing human laborers right now, human creatives with generative AI, that that's not a decision that's being made at a manager or a director level. That's a decision that's being made at an executive level and then foisted down upon these departments where people are being let go. And, and I don't think that that's ever a great way to make decisions without the buy-in of the boots on the ground people who are doing the work. That's to, to that specific point, so many companies, they are making those calls because it's a financial decision. And it's not a strategic decision. That's my main uh, cautionary point here. Right. When right. you make a decision because of the financial implication of that, you are like uh, making the wrong call. You, you have financial implications, but you need to have a strategic point of view. And if you don't understand that technology is available to everyone and you're not going to have an edge if you're using the same thing that everybody has access to, that is plain stupidity. Think about like targeting advertising and programmatic advertising. That thing with AI is going to be a piece of cake. Everybody's going to be able to do this like with excellence. But the problem is if everybody does, nobody has an edge. It becomes table stakes. All right. Excellent is average now. Yes. Then what will you need to make to stand out? So agencies, they need to equip themselves to be able to deliver excellence in a new reality where excellence became average. If you use this strategically, you try to create something proprietary and you build AI to help your team to have a kind of access to AI that anybody has, then it's smart, 
Dan is a strategic. As for Jess, my old friend who was laid off from her copywriting job and told she was being replaced by ChatGPT, she sees the wisdom in the advice that Renato has to offer creatives like her. When you think about technology, I don't think there's ever been any instance in time where there's been such a huge innovation where they're like, nope, we're going back to the way it was. I think that we're going to see in the short term a lot more situations like mine with a lot more out of touch people making decisions that they don't understand the ramifications of ultimately. But I think that when it's all said and done, they're going to walk it back to it being a tool or creating positions where it's an AI handler of some sort. Whatever the new lingo is going to be, that's going to be a position. And I think that Jess's attitude here is a healthy one. She's not mad about it. She sees the technology for what it is and isn't afraid to adapt and embrace it even as she still takes pride in her work and her abilities as a living, breathing, reasoning, and empathetic human. In fact, in an ironic twist, she's been able to use her extra free time this summer to spend some time and prepare her 18-year-old son to head off to college, where he's planning to study, of all things, artificial intelligence. I mean, can you imagine how John Henry would have reacted if his son had gone off to work for the steam drilling company? It's going to be kids like Casey that are going to be tasked with figuring out how to make things like ChatGPT work responsibly and ethically. They have a huge task at hand. This is going to be a lot bigger than I think they understand or I think anyone understands right now. And I'm sure someone's going to try to bottle what the human brain can do. And I'm sure they're getting close, but there's so much nuance, so much nuance. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to try. Right. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? How are you getting by in the wake of getting laid off here? You know, you, you lick your wounds, you take some time. Honestly, been okay taking my time, trying to find my new opportunity. I've got some good things on the horizon. It sounds counterintuitive to what I just experienced, but communication is something that people always need. I am a good fit for many positions, but when you sit back and think about, at least for me, what I went through, yeah, is this going to be the future of my career? Is this a turning point? Is this happening to other people? I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more I think, though, at the end, I can't be that jaded, or at least I don't want to be that jaded, because this is a tool. And ultimately, you use the tools around you to make better things. The phrase that I've seen thrown around a lot is, you're not going to be replaced by AI, but you might be replaced by someone who is using AI. Right. And if the choice is adapt or perish, the answer is always going to be adapt. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to go about redefining how we work in this world with this new tool. Mm -hmm. It's good to know how to use the tool, but you can't rely on just the tool. Every problem is not a nail. Well, we could probably teach ChatGPT how to ask this question, but every good writer, <laughs> every good journalist knows that there's one question that you finish every interview with, and mm -hmm. that is, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> you know, and I knew that you were going to ask that question, too. <laughs> And I, I was, learned from the best. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about it when this all happened. I took it more as a, like you said, a personal affront. But like anything else, I learned from it. <laughs> as sad as it is, I threw my resume through ChatGPT. <laughs> and it, it helped a little bit. It also added some things that I never did. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely have to edit it. But this is not the enemy. 
AI, ChatGPT is not the enemy. It's another way, and it's something that we have to adapt to. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Well, Jess, no last name uh, <laughs> for the purposes of this one. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and wishing you all the best of luck in finding your next step going forward here. But I know you'll land on your feet. Well, thank you for having me, Dusty. So maybe we don't all need to die with our hammers in our hands like John Henry. Maybe it's enough to just channel that spirit, to remind ourselves that you can teach a machine to string words together or make pictures, but you can't teach it intuition or curiosity, or insight into the human condition. Maybe it's time to rededicate ourselves to the idea that the world doesn't need more mediocre content. It needs more inspiration. And that AI as a tool for helping creative people be more creative can be a welcome addition to that palette. Thanks to Renato Fernandez from TBWH Hyatt Day as well for his inspired contributions to this episode. And by way of update, Jess, well, since we talked a few weeks ago, she's got some hot leads and is well on her way to landing in a new employer. I'll also note the alarming number of mediocre LinkedIn posts that I've read over the last six months recommending that aspiring podcasters should use ChatGPT to generate their scripts and do other odds and ends tasks. And I even had one salesman pushing me to try an AI podcast tool recently. I scoffed and told him that I hadn't spent 20 years honing these skills only to be replaced by an AI that can't hold a candle to what I can do. And I actually said, call me a modern day John Henry. To which he replied, who? I bring it up not only for the purpose of laughing at such a middling, ludicrous suggestion, but to remind you that Lead Balloon is produced by the good people at PodCamp Media, where we provide branded podcast production services for businesses, Our podcast studios are located in the heart of beautiful downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but we work with brands all over North America, podcampmedia.com. I was the producer, writer, and story editor for this episode. Will Henry and Matt Covarrubias are genuine human dialogue editors. And music for this episode by Andy Ellison, Crack Skippy, Dario Bennett, Annie Hartland, Knights, Ian Kolaski, and Wastelander. So until the next time, folks, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.